Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to another edition of Troy Talks. Uh, I have another special guest. I'm excited about this interview. Uh, let me tell you uh, a little bit about her. Uh, she has combined uh, what she's learned with clients to serve examples of what makes uh, us seem unfulfilled and seemingly successful careers and what prevents us from getting off the hamster wheel. And we can get conversation and ideas from her where to look when we are dealing with such things as burnout, high expectations, fear of failure, which is huge, uh, Rick's aversion and many other things. And uh, her and I, we a couple of months ago, we had a, a, a great interview. She's originally not from the US, she uh, changed careers at, at once upon a time. And so we're gonna hear about her story and uh, she's gonna share about us, what she's doing, what's going on with her. Uh, and, and I told her, uh, she told me her last name and I told her, I hope I get it right. But the first name I got it is Diana and her last name is Yanova. Uh, that was perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Troy Talks uh, podcast. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity to interview you. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Now, when we first talked, you know, uh, you told me your story about you uh, coming from, uh, was it Austria? Am I correct? Bulgaria. Bulgaria, Bulgaria, Bulgaria. Almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because when they went, when they both, uh, a whole um, together, and they split some years after. Let's say close enough. Not close, really. Okay, but. All right. So she's originally from <laughs> Bulgaria. And uh, now she's in the US. Uh, she's in the Northeast, in the New England area. What was it like, you know, your journey from uh, coming from Bulgaria to, to the United States? What was that like? What was your experience? So I, when I moved, I was right out of high school. Like I moved here for undergrad. So what the experience was, as I perceived it at the time, is quite different from how I perceive it right now. At okay. the time, it was a huge change, but mm -hmm. it like everything was so new, so exciting. I saw it as a a new experience and okay. very positive. I didn't understand the culture and how different it is, um, okay. but I enjoyed the differences. Whereas right now, like when I look back at the, at everything I see how much change there was pretty much like my whole fundamental beliefs and understanding of the world were were flipped and I didn't have a way to translate from one to the other I almost didn't realize how different it was which is I think what helped me at the time to stay at that excited and going forward and try new things mentality um, but it was a, it's, it's quite a challenge. Let me ask you this. What was the major difference in the cultures you, that you've seen? Uh, that's a good question. I think that the, the level of possibility that existed, I think okay. that when I, when I was growing up, like I basically went to the same school for seven years of my life and I was with the same group of 
30 or so people in class the mm -hmm. whole time. And that allows for very, very deep relationships and kind of really digging into personalities and relationships and all of those elements. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it almost has a singular mentality okay. or not as diverse mentality as you would um, if you are trying very different things okay. all the time. So moving to the States, like you have all this freedom, like you can be any major you want, you can change majors, like you can try different classes. Okay. Every professor has a different approach. There were so many like nuances and ways of thinking that were coming together mm -hmm. um, that it provided such a, such a breadth of experience versus okay. what I was used to, which was like depth, gotcha. like smaller breath now your first, no bad, but. <laughs> now your first city that you arrived here was where was worcester mass worcester mass okay so when you got here and you, you over there it's kind of a singular mindset you come here and you have uh and i kind of i can kind of understand uh, a little bit i remember when uh, i went to college uh, and I went to a, a, a junior college. And what shocked me was the, the, the professors didn't care if you came to class or not. You know, you could just, you could show up if you want to. And if you didn't, they wouldn't call you or hunt you down. It was, it was your responsibility. So, so I missed a lot of class sometimes because, <laughs> because I just knew that, hey, they, they wouldn't, you know, chase me down. So my question was, my question is this, when you got here and you had a lot of choices, was it tough trying to make choice because you had so many options? Yes, my experience though was a little different from yours, which was mm -hmm. I had so many options that I wanted to try all of them. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so I think that that was one of the initial starting points of like mm -hmm. kind of being exhausted all the time. Right. I sign up for more classes that I could handle, more okay. clubs that I could handle. I completely let go of the concept of sleep. Okay. Um, and just the whole idea of, mm -hmm. oh, self-care is important. You need to right, <laughs> be right. sleep, exercise, like all these kind of basic things, just because everything was exciting and interesting. And I wanted to learn all of it. And I kind of took it as a, this is the norm, any situation, like any place that you're in, like you have to go and try it all. So yeah, I, I took it the other way around just because you I had a choice. I right. to <laughs> now, what was the, uh, Diana, what was the turning point when you realized that you couldn't do all everything you had to, you know, set some boundaries and figure out, say, Hey, look, I can't do everything. I've got to be more careful and more selective. What was the turning point? I think that actually it took a while for me to hit um, that limiting point. And that was after my first job, mm -hmm. I went to business school in order to change careers. In business school, I started seeing like a lot of my limitations because it was, I could do more things, but it was coming up at the expense of performance. Okay. And I had a hard time being okay with that. And gotcha. Then my next job, it was uh, at a management consulting firm. Mm -hmm. 
and that's why I pretty much like hit my limits and both were dealing with not performing at the level that I wanted but also not being able to do everything and that's where my health started suffering basically okay Okay. mental physical emotional uh combination of them all so a couple years into the job I pretty much had to take a leave of absence just because I was completely burned out and I probably should have slowed down years before that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it accumulated right yeah yeah. so that was actually my turning point for for taking a step back, starting to look at what am I doing? What am I, why am I doing the things mm-hmm. that I am? And what do I need to implement in order for me to be able to keep going at a pace that I am okay with mm-hmm. while doing something that I care about? Um, and that was a longer journey by itself. <laughs> now, now, is this what catapults you into your coaching and you know, because you got the personal experience of being burnout, uh, you know, uh, all these uh, issues, you know, mental, uh, physical, emotionally, you know, really being affected. Was this kind of, you know, you, you can share your experience of your coaching. So let's talk about that. Talk about your, your, your business and what you're doing now and how you got there. Let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I took the longer road. Okay. Uh, that's so not after, always bad <laughs> no I think that every experience is what it is there's yeah. learning points from all of it but after that after I had, like went to that burnout took some mm. time off recovered got myself together and mm. thought about okay now I'm going to figure out what I want to do mm-hmm. and I had worked at a mutual fund and I had worked in a consulting firm so thought a lot I thought I had figured it out and went to do internal consulting at a bank. Okay. So Uh (laughs) I think that it was definitely an improvement in terms of lifestyle and I wasn't traveling anymore and I had a a great kind of like more permanent team. So it was Mm -hmm. a wonderful experience from that perspective Mm -hmm. and it did get me further than where I had gotten in my previous position. Okay. But like a few years down the road, I started like, I was back at the same place of, oh wait, I didn't actually figure this out. I never got too deep enough to the point of what do I genuinely care about? What brings me fulfillment? And is it possible at all to be doing something that is fulfilling, but Mm -hmm. also is quote unquote prestigious enough or is the right job? because I still had that mentality of having to prove something to essentially everyone. Um, so I, I did spend like three more years in, in that job of checking the boxes for myself or whatever I had set okay. out to. Okay. And really the pandemic was the final point where I had the distance from work Mm-hmm. and kind of like could actually start hearing my own thoughts and realize that I know what I love to do and what I love to do is helping people develop people that had been an element in my like pretty much every part of my life like okay. going back I could see how it had been present right but I never realized that that could be its standalone career 
um, and I joke, but like I kind of, I, I could sign up for a coach training program mm -hmm. as a hobby on the side, in addition to my job, which should have been enough of an indicator that I really love doing this. And throughout the program, which was very confronting and challenging mm -hmm. in a good way, mm -hmm. um, actually it hit me that, oh, I could be doing this as a job this could be my career people okay. development can be instead of 20% of my job mm -hmm. it can be a hundred percent of my job and that is wonderful from a perspective I'm taking notes and into because uh, I want to you know, typically take notes because I want to ask questions and it jogs my memory I've got so much direction that I want to go and I know we're not going to have the time but something that you said was huge uh a few things but one of those so so when you got to working with the bank working in the in, intern on the bank if and make sure i'm understanding correctly it took you farther than your previous position but the but what you accomplished wasn't fulfilling am i under, uh, understanding okay yes, and so yeah. so let's talk about the fulfillment because uh you know like i tell i've told people this personally uh i'm not a construction or outdoor person okay mm -hmm. so you can offer me a job and pay me two hundred fifty thousand a year i may work 30 days to two months and then i'll quit it's a lot of money but it it doesn't bring fulfillment i i couldn't stand it uh so let's talk about that how do people find areas that give them fulfillment now the ultimate goal is if you can get the fulfillment and get paid top dollar it's not always the case but how can people find that fulfillment and also really maximize their earning potential great question to me that's a process and it requires first of all for a person to choose to really go on the journey of discovery okay and that could be scary for a lot of folks and mm -hmm. myself included and what that requires is really looking at your life and trying to focus on what do you enjoy but that mm -hmm. doesn't mean positions that doesn't mean titles job descriptions like those kind of resume pieces but really in anything that you were doing what was the thing that got you in that state of flow and state of excitement and that you could lose yourself doing and the challenge with this piece usually is that we have so many preconceived notions or beliefs that have been piled over time mm -hmm. that it's hard to see in between those or put those aside okay. and in between them see what are those experiences but once you go on that journey, like once I did this with a, with a friend of mine, we literally mm -hmm. sat down and we're like, from your five stages of your life, like, what were you doing as a hobby? What were you doing as, as work? What were you okay. doing in your free time? Okay. And just writing it out from zero to whatever, however old you are. Let's okay. not jot those down. And look at the full picture so that mm -hmm. something forms as a pattern okay and usually like if you actually do that and if mm -hmm. you really let yourself kind of look through the past mm -hmm. 
the pattern has become obvious. Um, I mean, my personal experience is exactly that. It's like, I, the thing that I spent all my time was on career development for our team, spending okay. time with clients um, who are consulting clients to really understand how they think. Okay. And then in my free time, I was listening to podcasts and reading books all about like how a person thinks. So, okay. Okay. Um, and once you have those elements, then it is, I think the next step is kind of to figure out what are your values and your drivers mm-hmm. and your values are really how you make decisions in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, when you like the, the vision is kind of like your, what you care about is mm-hmm. where you're going. The values are how you're getting there. Like what yeah, is the okay. path that you take? And then the drivers are the things that sustain you along the way. Okay. So when we talk about fulfillment, like if you're going in the direction of what you care about and you're living in alignment with your values, you can pretty much like ensure that you have fulfillment. Um, and then the financial aspect could be one of your drivers. Like it is totally okay if like being significantly financially rewarded mm-hmm. is gives you fulfillment that's Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that as Mm -hmm. long as you really actually care about that if that's one of your drivers and it's important for someone to be someone measures success that way that's great as long Mm -hmm. as they understand it what i've seen is usually the thing that hides behind that is feeling of safety feeling appreciated um feeling heard or feeling seen being able to create impact versus only being a doer so if you're trying to make money so that you can create impact Mm -hmm. well that's a convoluted way to do that like you can just focus on right creating impact and so on and so forth so it, it it is people usually ask that question exactly as you framed it, like how can you get fulfillment, but also be compensated properly? And mm-hmm. the question is, is that really what you care about? And right. how about we figure out what you care about? And then everything else starts falling, like start putting the constraints after that, like, and let it fall into a picture of some sort. You know, uh, I've had people who tried to get me involved in um, different business adventures. A lot of it is, is uh, some type of uh, network marketing business. I'm not against it. You know, I've, I've been in it and done it. But what I've what I've learned, and I tell them, and some of them say, "Hey, man, the people are making a lot of money." And I said, "Well, I know me." I said, "It's not about the money." I said, "If if if I can't get up and do it and don't get paid, yeah, I won't stay with it because it's not in my heart to do it. It's just a, a, a paycheck." I said, "But if it's in my heart," I'll do it even if I'm not getting paid because I get a joy, fulfillment or satisfaction in that. I didn't learn that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, but over time I've learned that. And so, uh, you know, my philosophy is impact over income, relationships over revenue, people over profits. I know everybody don't have the same philosophy, but that's mine. And so uh, I get, you know, where you, you know, you're saying, you know, you know, finding the fulfillment and based on your values. But what happens a lot of times, what we see, uh, um, Diana, is that many people, they go to college based on 
a job position or money and then they find out they can't stand it they're not even working in it because we don't uh as as uh i think career counselors counts uh parents we don't help steer them in their gifts their uh what caused them fulfillment we don't steer them that way we look at the position and you said it you know don't look at a position or a job or, or um title that's what a lot of us we we look but what do you enjoy you know you said what, what is it that you enjoy what what causes you to flow that's, i think that's what the word you say have you found that you've been able to help more people uh to find out what their flow maybe they were in a position maybe they was making good money but it, but they was they was only in it because of the money and what did they do to get into something that really caused them to flow right well for some people it is really to find out what i think what you're describing is if i have to put in what words like what is what is their calling mm -hmm. like for some people it is about really going on a journey and mm -hmm. figuring what that is and if you're a banker and your mm -hmm. calling is to be a painter mm -hmm. that's a pretty big shift and like True. probably would require a few more <laughs> steps in between right. <laughs> True. securing some finances and just yeah. kind of lifestyle it, it takes some time um but i think that what happens more often is people have unintentionally or intentionally fallen into a place that provides them some piece of what they care about mm -hmm. but they are so focused on the things that are louder around them mm -hmm. a manager screaming like somebody asking for reports having to work over time having to to have time for their family being mm -hmm. guilty feeling guilty about not spending mm -hmm. enough time with their family feeling guilty about not spending enough time right. at work that even if you were doing something you you could love, like you mm -hmm. may not see it. Um, and I think that one of the more recent kind of like ways I'm thinking about this is mm -hmm. how can you see work differently? So mm -hmm. instead of completely changing a position, mm -hmm. how can you see what you love doing, mm -hmm. like what you care about and then mm -hmm. create it within your position? Gotcha. start reframing work that way and like honestly i think that with my all the jobs that i've had so far mm -hmm. if i had the awareness of what i care about mm -hmm. that i have now at the right. time i could have made any of them be my forever work home okay just because i would have kept on found like finding opportunities to mm -hmm. create what i love in the environment that I was. So it's less about the environment, it's more about hmm. that really clear um, vision of self and mm -hmm. ability to tweak uh, how you see the situation. And I think that that matters that much more when we start talking about security and like thinking about a lot of people say, well, my family depends on my salary so mm -hmm. it's not like i can just quit and start doing something else i cannot take that risk and right. that is like, like you can't argue with that statement <laughs> like it right. is what yeah. it is right um so for them like it is more okay but that doesn't mean that you don't have options it just right. means that your options are different and you just start creating something in a different direction 
I like that. Start creating something. Now, I'm going to ask you, this may be kind of a tough question. I'm going to ask you uh, this. So you have a group of young people in America. From your experience, from your job and everything, what type of uh, advice would you give them to not go down the same road that you go to find to find that fulfillment first one the second one if you go back to bulgaria and have a group of young people what would you tell them to the same question that is a tough question <laughs> well let me start with the with the first one well it actually let me add another layer to it i think okay. that there is a there's an element of amount of experience that you've had before that conversation becomes mm -hmm. relevant. I think that when you're when you're younger, when you're mm -hmm. like in your early 20s, that's a time to experiment and you still True. don't know enough about the world to True. be able to brainstorm on your own. Right. So I think that for for the group that is a little older and has kind of gone through one cycle of that is the message would be to take someone who they trust like mm -hmm. someone who's objective in their mm -hmm. space and just mm -hmm. have these conversations to have them challenge their thinking so okay. that they see that there's a lot a lot more options than what they think it is like you we almost like start putting blinders as we get right true <laughs> more and more experience right correct and, it's helpful because it keeps you focused, but it also destroys possibility. You. Right, yeah. So you need somebody to help you with your blind spots. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then for the younger group, it would be the kind of the early message that mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be difficult. Like you can love your job. You can find new ways to pivot over and over again. Um, I think that there was a study like that said that for let's say the the boomer generation, the generation before mm -hmm. Gen X, mm -hmm. like people would change their jobs two or three times in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Like for Gen X was four or five, millennials right. seven, eight. For right. Gen Z, it's gonna be 15 to 20 times. <laughs> True. True. So <laughs> like the yeah. earlier they kind of get to the place that yeah trying new things is good yeah. building moving in a direction that you care about like try new things but like keep them in a direction that you care about is um just something to watch out for and always yeah. have people to challenge you yeah and, and i agree with is it what you said general which which generation is the the one what's the age the one you just said that's going to change jobs 15 years 15 times uh i think that they're younger than they were born in the in the 90s i think that's where they start okay so my son that would be my son so my son is born in 93 so uh so that generation is going to change jobs about 15 times now part of the problem i see in that it's not necessarily baby boomers uh, and people in my generation, I'm right before baby boomers, in my generation, 
we look at it is that they are not dedicated and loyal. However, um, companies are not loyal and dedicated to the employees either. So I can see why sometimes the, they may jump jobs because that loyalty and dedication goes both ways. And so, uh, so we have to kind of look at a both, both sides of it. Diana, tell me this, where do you see Diana going now? What's, what is she working on? What is some things that, that's, that you are foreseeing in your future that you may not, you may not can go in detail, but I want my audience to know some stuff that you are, are working on and pursuing. Yeah. It changes every few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> like life, right? <laughs> I can tell you where it is right now. But right. <laughs> jokes aside, like when I started thinking about having my own coaching practice and all of that, I formulated my mission as helping people who are in that middle management level, like in their 30s, early mm -hmm. 40s, mm -hmm. just not have to go through my experience and get support and get like become people that actually enjoy their job mm -hmm. without struggling through it and okay. just create their version of work and life integration, like whatever it is, like just mm -hmm. do something to make it better and mm -hmm. let go of struggling through it. And so basically I want everyone who's in that range to not mm -hmm. have my experience or get to the same conclusions, but in less than 10 years <laughs> right right um and the way i see it is like right now i work with people one-on-one -on -one and mm -hmm. i love that connection i love that that okay. depth of the relationship um over time i really want to start creating something that's more structured that mm -hmm. is self-guided as a program to okay. those, those things that we hit on like formulating your vision, brainstorming mm -hmm. through it, expanding your field of possibility, okay. seeing what are your values, drivers, okay. creating it as a structure to be something that anybody can essentially walk through okay. as a stepping stone before they go to the, to the next step of setting up their mindset. Um, and probably the one after that would be to start thinking about how we think differently. <laughs> Right. I, I have right. this idea of just constantly of having every week of something that I want to see differently. Mm -hmm. Making your almost like your mind so flexible and um, agile that they can take a situation and quickly move into, oh, well, what else can I get out of this? Like, mm -hmm. how can I see differently that would create something new and almost create that? excitement innovation creativity in our daily life and i don't know what shape it's gonna take at some point but um that's where my head is right now got you now let me ask you this do you uh think you'll get into group coaching um yeah absolutely well actually like we a colleague of mine and i um our have a group coaching program for introverts that is also like another one of those introverts always think that or as introverts a lot of us see that the only option to be successful at work is to pretend to be an extrovert or <laughs> be right. a fake extrovert <laughs> right 
Um, and we really through like kind of a group conversation want to mm. change this and be like, no, actually being an introvert is a superpower in its own way. And if you discover it, yeah, like you can do, you can do anything. Like you can save yourself so much time. So that is one topic that I see group coaching, um, for the others, uh, haven't come up with it yet, but maybe. I think that the group coaching for introverts will be huge because, um, there's a there's a meme that I saw uh, on uh, I think it was a Facebook, but I even shared it, and it's and it's it basically said that um, so an introvert was making a phone call, and uh, whoever they called didn't answer the phone. It, it went to voicemail, and they was a sigh of relief. And so, so and I asked some introverts, "Is this is this true?" And they said yes. <laughs> And so yeah. I, I think it would be huge to see, uh, you guys can't see me, see it, but Diane is really laughing <laughs> at this. So it, it, it must be really true. She's really laughing at this. But anyway, um, uh, so I think that'd be huge because you really will help people who, who are introverts um, to, you know, not feel bad because they're not an extrovert and they can really be able to walk through and deal with, you know, life and issues uh, like you said, sometimes they have to fake being an extrovert at work and things like that. So uh, I think that'll be huge. Uh, I'm an extrovert, so there's no problem. With <laughs> my wife is yeah. a, my wife is an introvert, but I'm an extrovert. <laughs> and there's you're in the right job for that. <laughs> right. Yes. True. <laughs> uh, uh, Diana, my, my wife and I, when I when I used to go home, my mom was living, so my wife would go home with me in Nashville. And uh, so when I get home, I'll go see friends and family. I'm going running around. My mom be like, well, Troy, won't you let them come see you? You know, so because my mom, they, you know, they probably ain't. I'm just, because I'm just a people person. I'm, you know, hey, I'm in town. I'm coming to see, see you. And I asked my wife, does she want to go? No, uh-uh. No, I don't want to go. I don't know those people. Uh-uh. And so she'll stay there with my mom. But yeah, I'm going running around seeing, seeing people. But yeah, because she's a, she's a, she's a true introvert. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure that there are other situations where you would prefer for it to go differently. Like if you have to spend three days just locked in a in a house yes, without anyone right, else. Right, right, yes, yes. Now I, I will say this. Uh I do like some time where I have quiet time and it's just me and I can think and there's no noise and things like that. But I get energized being around people. Uh, but I do yeah, like yeah. some downtime, you know, every now and then I'll take a break from social media. It, be it becomes overwhelming. Hey, I need a break. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I, you know, that's self-care, you know. <laughs> but Diana, look, I've enjoyed this uh, interview and this conversation. Uh, we've learned some things. We learned, learned, learned a lot about you and, and where you come from. Uh, what, what final thoughts would you want to leave? Anything in particular you want to leave? I think that the my message would be to anyone who's kind of like listening to this is to not settle for fine and try to find better yeah. and what's better for them. And the fact that what's great is different for every person and don't settle for someone else's great. And I wish that I had heard that. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, 
people have told me that, but I wish yeah. that I could actually hear it truly right, and internalize yeah, it. Right. Um, and get get support like from whoever, like coaching is great, mm. obviously, but from friends, from peers, from colleagues, just ask for ask for that support, ask for that yeah. sounding board so that you don't settle for fine. You know, Diana, uh, that's a drop mic, drop the mic moment uh, when you just said, hey, you know, make sure your greatness is based on your concept of greatness and not someone else. And I think many times we try to measure success and greatness based on someone else. And it's different from everybody. And don't let anybody trap you into measuring the same. So I think that was a, a drop the mic point. How can uh, my audience connect with you if they wanted to connect with you? I am, How, hold on for a second. How can they connect with the introvert? <laughs> <laughs> well, indirectly, please don't call me. <laughs> I Sorry for the last distraction, but like in my email signature, I have on my to-do list that I need to remove my phone numbers. So okay. it is just email on my website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better do that. <laughs> Um, but to answer your question, like I'm most active on LinkedIn. So okay. um, Diana Damianova um, is where that is. Right. Spelling is a long story. And then my website is dianadcoaching.com. And that's where most other information is between those two. Or just email me. Don't call her, just email her. Preferably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, my uh, Troy Talks Tribe community, thank you, you guys, for uh, listening in and uh, checked out this. Uh, you know, this podcast will be coming out uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, I will let uh, Diana know what she can share with her audience. But again, Diana, thank you for uh, taking the time out for allowing me to interview you and to share uh, your insight and uh, information about you uh, to help uh, my audience. Well, everyone, I, I hope everybody have a great uh, day today and the rest of the week. Uh, thank you again for uh, listening in and checking us out. Uh,